0: Based on the wild true story of the Sun Jim gang and their many crimes, Michael Bay's 2013 film Pain and Gain marked the director's lowest budgeted film since his directorial debut, Bad Boys, back in 1995. With a budget of only $22 million, this bizarre bodybuilding blockbuster led by committed performances from Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Anthony Mackie turned a modest profit at the time. However... This film has drawn criticism for the creative liberties it has taken in its storytelling, as well as for attempting to elicit sympathy for the real-life perpetrators of these heinous crimes. So, we're jumping into the gym and getting a good pump in to see what we can gain from this film. Today, we're asking, pain and gain, what's it about? I'm your host, Ricardo Blade diaz and I'm Seth Pro, And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, how are you doing today?
1: All right, man. I got, I got out, just got out of the gym myself, you know, so... I didn't. <laughs> I literally...
0: My bed is, like, less than two feet away from me. I literally rolled out of it and sat in this chair.
1: <laughs> well, you know you have... We can't plot our hostile takeover until you go to the gym today, Ricky. Oh God! Gotta I get to, in there. I have to you go to like get in
0: there a gym, gym.
1: I can't like, just gotta like go, go outside. <laughs> we got to go to the gym and then we can start planning our kidnapping.
0: <laughs> if you ever catch me starting to like do like crunches, like crunches, and going, I'm big, I'm huge, I'm hot. <laughs> like I think, I think,
1: I think you, you needed to take me somewhere. <laughs> Get <laughs> yeah, me obsessed. Uh, uh, <laughs> Something's definitely switched. There's been a s there's been a snap of some kind. <laughs> We've broken Ricky. <laughs> He's broken. Uh
0: but yeah, we're today we're gonna be talking about Pain and Gain, 2013, uh film uh directed by Michael Bay very famously. Um I picked this film because uh his new film, Ambulance, came out uh this past week. Um and uh apparently it's... Doing pretty well. It's getting decent reviews from critics. It's getting you know, it's doing all right, which is surprising for a Michael Bay film. Yeah. (laughs) I I looked at his IMDB uh and his uh Rotten Tomatoes recently, and guess how many movies he have he has that are fresh rated by critics? I have no idea. How many? Two.
1: Wow, what are those movies?
0: The Rock and Ambulance. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now that's not to say the audience rating is is not fresh. There are a lot of fresh audience ratings. You know, yeah. He, I feel like Transformers has to be fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, bad. The bad boys movies are rated fresh. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, Michael Bay himself is like, I don't make films for the critics. I make films for for pe- the people, like for the audience. I you know, I yeah. want it to be fun for them. I don't care what the critics say, and I think that's I, that's clear in the fact that the audiences people like to go see Michael Bay movies, and critics just trash him. I feel like you probably have a sweet spot in your heart for Michael Bay. I am up and down. It has nothing to do with Michael Bay, honestly, like him as a person, him as a director. It really, did. but there are certain of his movies. I really do. Like, I do like the bad boys franchise up until a point. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't in love with the most recent bad boys. I thought it was okay. Uh, but I really like the first two. Um, I love Armageddon. Armageddon's a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, I uh, saw that movie when I was a young kid, and I I don't know why, but it was just a movie that I really loved. I still do to this day. Um, the Rock is an amazing movie. I love The Rock. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm up and down on Michael Bay.
1: You know, it, it's and I like the original Transformers, I, that first one. I feel like if you were to be a director, though, you would have a similar philosophy. Like, you think I would direct like that? that? No. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you would direct like actiony. It's not what I mean. It's just like. I do think you like films that are for the people not for I, I like I like both. You like both. That's what I'm saying is I think you you could res- you respect there's some sort of respect you have for Michael Bay. I, I I to an extent
0: I get what you're saying. Like I do appreciate that like there are some people that aren't really wrapped up in like pleasing a a select group of people who are like the gatekeepers of taste right yeah and so yeah i I, i've been called the contrarian before um by by many people that i love (laughs) um so uh yeah i think if a critic says that it sucks um sometimes i i might just be like no i like it just to like it but no like a lot of michael bay films i think are trash um uh but a lot of them i really enjoy for different reasons um especially this earlier stuff is like once Transformers kind of started taking off, that's when I kind of fell off because I'm not a big fan of those Transformer movies. I think those are bad. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the first one's fine. I think the first one's enjoyable enough. I love the first
1: one. Yeah. I had a great time with the first yeah.
0: one. And I saw it, and it hit me at the right age. I was like a teenager when yeah. it came out, so it was like perfect for me. And Megan um, Fox, man. Yeah, exactly. That
1: movie is like, whoa. Yeah. That car scene. Yeah.
0: So so it hit me well, at the right time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it hit me at the right time. That's good. <laughs> no movies a car scene uh <laughs> but after that first one I, even i as a young young man was like these movies are not good <laughs> yeah, they got they yeah. definitely got progressively much worse just inject a little marky mark baby yeah just inject yeah. some marky mark and they got worse after he got on there so
1: yeah,
0: yeah. uh I, yeah go ahead what, did, what do he, what are your opinions? what are your opinions on michael bay films
1: uh they i mean you can you know a michael bay film immediately you know what i mean like the moment mark Wahlberg jumped off of uh, (laughs) the the roof second story into the dumpster i was like okay totally unnecessary but this is a michael bay film and and uh it's like i feel like i appreciate michael bay for what he does you know like he has a style that is his style, and you can. I'm muted. I have been muted.
0: Oh, so you forgot to mute yourself on the Zoom. I apologize. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> no, you're um, fine. Uh, I have a voice, Ricky. <laughs> um, I, 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 what I do, guys, speak <laughs> it, behind the podcast. Uh, when Seth talks, I mute him <laughs> so I can't hear what he's saying. And then when I see his mouth stop moving, I just jump back in and go, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. and I say whatever I want.
1: Um, I'm kidding. What basically what I'm saying is, I appreciate that Michael Bay has a developed style that is Mm -hmm. his style, and it's iconic. So I have a respect for him in that regard. Are his movies like honestly like I don't I don't think about Michael Bay. You know what I mean? Like no, yeah. I don't think about like I I can say okay, I've seen Transformers. I don't even think I've ever watched the Bad Boys movies, so I didn't even know that was Michael Bay uh let's see here what if you've seen them
0: you you would know
1: (laughs) yeah like i know battleship was a michael bay movie i know no it wasn't he didn't direct it he
0: might have produced it but he didn't direct it
1: yeah i mean i've seen michael bay movies and i know them when i see them but Mm -hmm. i'm not like going out to see michael bay movies
0: Mm -hmm. you know no i get you i get you uh yeah and that's what makes this film in particular so interesting. So, like, if we were reviewing or talking about another Michael Bay film, it might be a little bit different. But this is the maybe one of his first, like, more, like, character drama kind of films that he's really
1: done. It's, it's – I mean, to, to I feel like to, like, nail it on the head, it's like an anti – it's like an anti – hyper masculinity film but it's shot by Michael Bay hmm who's so who some people would say trying, is hyper masculinity yeah so like it's trying to use so in, in some regards it's a it's kind of like in its style reminding me of Hollywood Boulevard mm-hmm in that it's trying to lean in and use tropes of the style to highlight satire yeah. or to to uh, to comment on it but mm-hmm. it doesn't really work mm-hmm. like it i think this movie i think this is a cool movie because it has good intentions mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of an anti-michael bay film in its message mm-hmm. but it's definitely still a michael bay film and yeah it does not accomplish what it sets out to i don't think. Mm-hmm.
0: No, i think it's fair i think you're right it is definitely like it touches on a theme of toxic masculinity um Uh, and this idea of uh, the way these guys kind of like portray themselves, and it's like, they don't come off very good. (laughs) This culture does not come off very good. Um, but you're right. It's like, there are, there is a romanticization a little bit of it. In a we got to start. We got to
1: start at the beginning here, Ricky, because I'm gonna get. I'm just gonna unleash okay. on it.
0: All right, all right, all right. Let's get back. We took a, <laughs> we took a load us Get back on track. Let's talk about how this film came to be. Um, so yes, this film, uh, Pain and Gain, came out in 2013. It was directed by Michael Bay, who you would know from directing the Bad Boys franchise, the Transformers franchise, The Rock, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, The Island, 13 Hours: to Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, Six Underground, and most recently, Ambulance. Um, this film. Strangely enough, I didn't realize this, but it was written by Christopher Marcus and Steve McFe- Stephen McFeely, who uh, also wrote The Life and Death of Peter Sellers, the Chronicles of Narnia franchise, You Kill Me. And then this is where it gets a little like – I was like, whoa, I didn't realize this. They wrote all three of the Captain America franchise films. They, wow. <laughs> Yeah. They wrote Thor, uh, The Dark World, and – They wrote the screenplay for Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Wow. Yeah. These guys. Wow. wow, What a resume.
1: So they just needed a different director.
0: (laughs) What a resume. Well, so here's the thing. So this is something I'm going to get into uh, as far as like how it it came to be, how it got made. So this film is based on a series of articles written by Peter Collins and published in the Miami New Times in 1999 titled Pain and Gain. Uh, This is a true story. Uh, it's about the Sudden Gym Gang who are a group of bodybuilders based out of Miami, Florida uh, who were headed by Daniel Lugo and Adrian Dorball uh, who were responsible for kidnapping, extorting and attempted murder of Mark Schiller uh, a wealthy patron that uh, would frequent the gym uh, as well as the murders of Frank Riga and Christina Furton in the early 90s. So this is, a, a lot of this is true. Um, but the script, So, as far as the movie goes Michael Bay... S- says that he had had the script for *Painting Gain in his office, like on his shelf of scripts, for 10 years before he wow. was able to get it made. So he was making it, you know, he was making his movies um, uh, from 2000 on. Um, and then he hit it big with Trans, really, really big with Transformers, um, formed a really great relationship with-, with Paramount. Another big hit with the second Transformers. And so after the second Transformers, Bay was like, I want to do something smaller. I will not direct. He was already on board to direct the third uh, Transformers. And he's like, I will not direct the fourth one unless you finance Pain and Gain Paramount. Wow. He Um, believed in this. mm -hmm. And Paramount said, all right. And so they, they kind of packaged them together in a two film deal. They financed this one and they financed, and they got him on board for Transformers uh, for at the same time. So he, this is a film that, Bay want has been wanting to A erect for years and project. years, yeah. A passion project for yeah. Michael Bay. So I think it's interesting though that we're looking at these films uh, that the Marcus and McFeely had written, uh, and like pain and Gain*, the where it fits in there is very strange because it, like. I would say their style of writing has completely changed from this to like where like well, Captain America and if it was on there for 10 years,
1: I mean this had to be a very early work of theirs.
0: That's that's what I'm saying. That's why I think yeah. is coming through is that this is definitely
1: an early work of theirs. But I will say I guess if I if I look at it there is a they're good at the team yeah. story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can see that the early strains of like switching from character to character and still mm-hmm. feeling cohesive you know? yeah i think this
0: film is well constructed yeah for sure in its story it definitely is because there, there's a lot going on not to mention the actual true story is a lot more complicated than than this movie is presented obviously uh, you know lots of things were condensed lots of time and events were condensed lots of characters were condensed into one person for example uh the rocks character um paul doyle is not a real person He's an amalgamation of several smaller characters that they all kind of boil down into like one um you're the rock in this movie <laughs> I figured someone would say something like that yeah, he's so he, he, he's really good in this movie I think yeah. this is one of those best, first times where I was like you're you're a pretty good actor dude this is pretty funny
1: the you're you're very much the rock I am terrified of Mark Wahlberg because'm I'm, I'm afraid the movies that he does I'm afraid I can become someone like him oh you could like, for sure like Mark Wahlberg's character in this and in uh, Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. like they are like okay, these are the characters I need to to avoid behaving like. Like this is mm-hmm. this is like this is this is the scary side of the mind for me. Um, but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, and then lastly, something about this movie that's really interesting. So the character Victor Kershaw, played by Tony Shalhoub, was a representation of. A, the real-life kidnapping victim named Mark Schiller uh, and Schiller sued paramount for their portrayal of him in the film uh, to which they settled out of court uh, for an undisclosed price but what's really funny is so during the trial of the Sun Jim gang uh, Schiller testified uh, and put the uh, put them away and this is at the, at the end of the movie they talk about their sentences and things like that and that's all true they doorball and lugo both got life sentences um uh you know and everybody else got the sentences that they had Did they gotten. get death sentences or life sentences? They, oh sorry no you're right they got death sentences okay yeah. um however i think i think i read in my research that doorball had his death sentence had gotten revoked in 2017 but it could go back it's it's kind of a you know the, the legal system is weird especially when you're in jail for so long
1: don't kill anybody in florida
0: yeah, Florida. They they've been on that row for thirty years almost. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. at what point is this like? Right, we're just waiting for you to die, at that point. But um, uh, yeah. So uh, as soon as Schiller finished testifying for uh, the Sun Jim Gang trials, he like walked out of the courthouse and was immediately arrested <laughs> for fraud charges by oh, the wow. FBI. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: wow uh but he because he cooperated so much in this trial they he got like a very reduced sentence um cool. but insane this whole story like a yeah. lot of these details like that you think are the most bombastic and, and insane are true which is crazy that's nuts
1: yeah was like, it really a uh uh like a uh, sex shop house? That they no, were, like, I think it was in?
0: something else. Uh, I, that was one of the details that I that I heard weren't weren't right. That it was they did bring him to like a warehouse, but it wasn't it wasn't like a sex like storage sex toy storage area, but yeah. like the like barbecuing of the hands and stuff like that. Like apparently that was all real. And uh, I, the, I
1: really liked that motif
0: of the like, oh, sex toys.
1: No, no, of the barbecuing um, of the hands, like. That's what we got to get into. Mm-hmm. We got to talk. We got to talk about masculinity today, bro. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about it, and um, I think it's not going to be an easy conversation. No, and I wish we had a woman here. Uh, I almost is Sarah asked. home? She is not at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, but uh, just a quick preview, if it's cool with you mm-hmm. um, for next week, she is wanting to be a guest. So it's uh, not cool with me. No, I'm just kidding. It absolutely is cool with me. It's more than okay. cool with me. All right. So before we talk about masculinity, we will have a woman on the show, everyone, next week. <laughs> it'll it'll make up for what we're about to do. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't see. There we go. There we are. We're in a place of. Um, this is an ongoing conversation in America right now, mm-hmm. and it makes us. It makes it's. It's something I've been thinking about a, a lot, um, and this movie does a great job. Uh, talking about it and trying to comment on it, Mm -hmm. right? Um, If nothing else, it allows to open up a conversation about it. If the movie itself
0: doesn't successfully convey exactly what it's saying, it creates an environment where people can at least – it opens the door to talk about the subject. Yeah,
1: yeah. It it has the best of intentions, like I said. uh, It just does not – it does not accomplish what it sets out to do Mm -hmm. because of – the film style yeah um, yeah the michael bay of it all kind of hinders hinders what exactly what it's saying yeah and this was way you know this was before the me too movement clearly mm-hmm. um yes. and it's still in the kind of height of like action you know fast and the furious mm-hmm. style movies transformers like super mega extreme filmmaking mm-hmm. you know uh, Hyper masculine filmmaking, I guess, and uh, and so it's kind of honorable what Michael Bay is trying to do. Should he be the person doing it? Probably not, clearly because it wasn't done well. But it is an attempt, and it's I think a, a good choice, Ricky, in that in that regard. Um, mm. It's I think it's a different kind of movie that we haven't done yet on this list. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of which, what is it? If you have not seen Pain and Gain in a in a minute. It's an older film, you know, it's almost 10 years old now. Uh, This is the plot synopsis. A trio of bodybuilders in Florida get caught up in an extortion ring and a kidnapping scheme that goes terribly wrong. Thank you IMDB for that summary. So that's what the movie is, if you haven't watched it. Uh, And now it's time for us to ask because it seems like we're already getting there. So let's officially ask the question. Pain and Gain. What's it about?
1: What is it about? It's a pretty easy one. I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, I wrote the least down for this movie Really, that I've written down.
0: It's so funny uh, cause I wrote down more than I have in the last few. Huh.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, for me it was just so, so like heavy handed mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, it's really like this. I, it's hard not to see. Um, it's hard not to see what it's about for me. Mm hmm in that regard so uh it's i mean clearly about toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. um it is about uh i think the american dream Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and the expectation that you're entitled to the american dream and that if you just work hard enough
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and do do the right things Mm-hmm. And even if the and even sometimes the wrong things are the right things to do in the pursuit mm-hmm. of the American, American dream, dream, yeah, uh, then you can make it. And right. like the, the line that just sums it all up is, "If I believe I deserve it, the, the universe will serve it. it." Yes, and uh, and I think that's a very toxically masculine sentiment. Mm-hmm. And what this movie didn't do is. <laughs> and why it's not executed correctly is because the government comes in at the end, the state comes in, in the end and saves and fixes it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. good old uncle Sam comes in and, and like ties it up in a knot for you Mm -hmm. and justice was served. But really, uh, I don't think, I think that, you know, to, to, to kind of lean into your roommate's politics a little bit, Mm Uh, those institutions themselves are are toxically masculine, mm-hmm. and that I think that's where we're not seeing uh, a true representation.
0: That's fair. I would push back a little bit on that, just uh, in in that I don't think it was necessarily the state that gets should get credit, at least in the, in the way this film portrays it. It's uh, private investigator Dubois, yeah. that's who who honestly is. Very much like non hyper masculine. Like he's very like soft spoken. Oh no, I, he's,
1: disagree. I disagree. You think you think he's super hyper masculine? Oh, he is like the. He's not. So here's where the conversation is. Right? Mm. He's very masculine. I mean, he's the man in black in Westworld, dude. Like, right, but guy, in this, this movie guy though. is a. But he's a stone cold badass. Like that mm-hmm. is masculine, and. And so, like, in this film, though, he, he, he's, he walks softly and carries a big stick. Like, you don't want to mess with this guy because he can shut you down, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, I think he's still a very masculine representation.
0: Right, but I wouldn't say toxic
1: masculine. Well, there's the conversation. Right. Right, right. Because what in our society today can you do that is masculine and is not seen as toxically masculine? That's a good it's, question. Ve- it's a very good question. I I I mean that's why I like the grill the grill motif so much. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, men grill right, yeah, men, men barbecue, men barbecue. You know, I I had a mustache.
0: yesterday. and I want everybody to know I put air quotes on men barbecue. I, that's not something that I believe. That's something that is a perception of a lot
1: of people. Yes, we don't want to trigger anybody here, but like we are we we are talking about like okay, we're entering a new a new domain about mm-hmm. figuring out how to express ourselves as people mm-hmm. right And it's like, okay if you do identify as a man, what how how are you supposed to move through the world right
0: gender my, gender roles and yes yeah
1: yes. and like I you know, I am I am someone who my whole life, fought against toxic masculinity because i grew up in an extremely toxically masculine culture i mean i grew up in the south you know uh christian south where gender roles are very defined and if you don't play football you're not going to have a girlfriend you know so that was i bucked against that my whole life and i and i'm you know now that i'm in artistic circles Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I'm probably like, when it comes to like a, a gender fluid, I, I'm I'm like in the middle, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I, I identify as a man, but like, I am more feminine than most men, mm-hmm. but I'm still pretty intensely scrutinized for like where I fall mm-hmm. on that spectrum. And it's, it's strange, man. Like it, it's, it's a, it's really weird time it's a Mm -hmm. really weird time um i'm not saying i'm not like quoting suffering for my people or anything Mm -hmm. but i am saying um okay so we got to get back to the movie
0: well no no i i mean i just said i mean you know it's 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 about how this movie makes us feel, what this movie brings yeah. up in us, and for me, I I have a very similar kind of history. I didn't grow up in the South, but I did grow up in the Midwest, and the Midwest is you know again like homegrown good old good old boys type of yeah. you know, place. So like hunting, farming, you know like that's the guys I grew up around, and like there is a very hyper emphasis on masculinity and and hard work and things like that. And but my family, the American from, Dream,
1: right? I mean, you would not be. Doing what you're doing mm-hmm. right now if it weren't for the values of the American dream that were programmed into you, which mm-hmm. in what we're arguing here is that that mindset is toxically masculine, which I could argue maybe so. It depends. It depends, I think
0: and, – and for me, um, to kind of circle back, like I don't think a lot of people would say I'm super hyper-masculine, especially like in my my work. Like I do – I work with young children. Uh, I work with babies five and under, so like that's yeah. not like a super masculine thing that I think a lot of people would do, and so I and I do get scrutinized the opposite direction in that sometimes uh, in in the past I've had parents, uh, especially dads, be very uncomfortable with me around their children
1: because oh, um, yeah, there I is a
0: because there is a a. Um, uh, not There is a stigma about yes. adult, ad, adult men who work with oh, young yeah. children. And so I've definitely come up against that stuff where it's like I'm not – I try to present myself as like neutral and like gentle. Some would say feminine. I wouldn't call it feminine exactly but like toning down certain masculine traits a lot when I'm around the children because yeah. it because it, it is something that has a stigma to it for sure. Um, Uh,
1: here's the, here's, here's why I'm already like at a seven with this conversation mm -hmm. is because am I even allowed to say something as masculine?
0: Well, it's hard to, uh, what do you mean? Are you allowed to label something as masculine?
1: Yeah. Like, like, okay. So like Ricky, if I were to describe something masculine about you, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I were to like, be like, okay, Ricky, I find you're kind of like, um, sureness of Of Like, you kind of have, like, a a laissez-faire attitude about most things in life, except for a few things. Like, you're very, very focused on a few things, but other things, you just kind of go with the flow, Mm. you know? I would say that's a masculine trait.
0: Mm. Like,
1: a very, like, centered, sure self in the, the, like, but am I allowed to say that? I don't think I'm allowed to say that anymore. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think a woman can have masculine traits. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Well, so, I think,
0: yes, I understand what you're saying. Like, so, like, what is, like, it's hard to put a label on on stuff at this point. It's like, what is masculine? What is feminine? I think for me, like, sure, that's. I think that's your opinion. I just don't think we want to label things as, like, absolutes. Like, right. this is what I feel like is masculine. I mm, think that's okay. romance
1: languages. The yeah. romance languages are screwed. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, because the, <laughs> they inherently put masculine and feminine <laughs> things on it. But I think for me... The the safest things to, like that you can call masculine and feminine are are physical traits like literally what are male presenting traits physically okay. what are female presenting traits physically like on average women are smaller mm-hmm. like body types like I don't okay. think that anyone would be like not that women can't have a lot like you know become larger and build muscle and things like that but like across the board. Women have smaller think, body types. I
1: think we just have to accept that we are screwed in this conversation. No,
0: I that, and I'm trying to be very careful and not offensive and because yeah. yeah. like, like biologically, like men like, have
1: more muscle usually.
0: Yeah, it's but gen- not always. Not always. Not always. I think yeah. there's but there's like you know you look at like genetics play a role that like some men are born with like less naturally than women, but it, so it does get a little bit muddy. But like I think the the basic the most basis thing you can say is that like feminine is uh is uh uh masculine is phallic <laughs> yeah and and uh feminine got what's the what's the word for it um uh ov- ovic i think it is like o- as in like ovary i'm not sure I mean, um i'm not sure the there is a word i just don't know what it is but anyway um i totally agree with you but for me this as far as this film does explore this and as far as like your idea of like is pre- is the inherent pursuit of the American dream is that inherently toxically masculine. For me, it 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 comes down to how you portray, how you pursue the American dream.
1: Yeah.
0: Or how you pursue what you want, pursue what you want. And for me, this film has just a little bit a little bit more of a specific take on that for me is what I saw. And it's more so the fact that the, it's the moment you realize hard work doesn't always deliver equal rewards. Yeah. So what happens when the illusion of the American dream is shattered? What do we do when we don't get what we think we've earned? Yes. And and this you're right. This idea of if I think I deserve it, the universe will serve it. So you're right. It's an en- entitlement. It's when you think you're entitled to the American dream, entitled to success, that. I think it become well, – and, and then you react a certain way when you don't get it. That's when things become a problem.
1: There's also – there's there's more, I think, more to it um, than just entitlement. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we're talking about manifest destiny. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the original historic term. Use – in our culture, yes, for the expansion of the West, the that that,
0: we, that is our debt that is all, belongs to us,
1: that is owed to us by God, yeah, by God, we are owed this your You're all your land, <laughs> yes. So, so like what has been indoctrinated in us, what has been programmed in us, is yes. that if we believe that God has given us this calling, then therefore we are to obtain it we don't know how we're going to get there but we pursue it at all costs because Mm. we have this belief that we we will reach our destiny Mm. and that's not true i mean that's just like i mean well we don't know if that's true Mm. it's not true for everybody has been true for some people but like i mean it is i mean it's amazing and we just saw this with donald trump like it's amazing what a narcissist can do you know, like we just had a narcissist become the president of the United States because he believed he could do it and then he did it and then it was awful, but he did it, you cool. know, and I mean Marky Mark in this movie is the same same way. He just had his head down pursuing what he thought he wanted to the point of murder, you know, and yeah. that's wrong. I mean, I and and, and for me. This showed up for me in um, a couple places in my life, early, like in my early 20s. And, uh, and yeah, it's hard to get over because it's like you've been told your whole life that, that this is – the American dream is possible, you mm-hmm. know? And then so, like, there is a coming to terms with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I mean –
0: no, I totally agree with you. We talked a little bit about this when we talked about the Matrix, right? Like this idea yeah. of what you believe, what you believe you're capable of, right? And yeah. Lugo in this movie, Mark Wahlberg's character, Daniel Lugo, believes he's capable of of so much, right? He yeah. he, he. For me, then, where I really connect with this movie the most is this idea that Lugo has a huge self worth problem. Mm-hmm. He he believes. That he is, his accomplishments are what he is measured by. That he measures himself he, by.
1: He needs his, external validation.
0: Yes, external validation financially and from others. And the only way he's going to get it from others if is if he's financially successful. Um, and there, there are a couple of lines that he says it throughout this, this um, that really hit me. For like the example, like uh, he says in the beginning, the only way to prove yourself is to better yourself. That's the American dream. So yeah, you're right. It's this this idea that he is only worth something if he ascends and elevates to a certain status. Um, And which I can, I can feel in a lot of different ways. I don't feel that way financially or physically the way he does. like become a physical specimen the way that he does, but I definitely feel that way
1: artistically. Yeah. We're always striving, right? Mm -hmm. Like we always, we feel guilt if we're not doing something. Mm -hmm. And, and I know for me, something I,
0: struggle with it's like uh, sometimes a place where i'm creating my art from is about and, and maybe this isn't fair to say but to and to put them on the spot in this way but like man like how awesome would it be if i became a success just a big middle finger to all those people that used to bully me and tease me yeah and and relentlessly tell like put me down in high school you know like how great yeah. would it be if i'm the one that ascends up to this like upper echelon of like elite you like, don't want to admit it,
1: to those feelings, but they're no. there.
0: Yeah. I, and, and, and like, I, you're, I feel guilty when I feel that way, but it's like, but that some of that is there. Some of that is a motivation. Like, yeah, you want to prove those people that used to put you down
1: wrong. And what if you let go of that? And do you become you, demotivated? Yeah. Like, like, then you have an identity crisis, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's honestly where I've been for the past two years is the pandemic really shattered my perception of, like, the pursuit of art. And mm. and it's kind of, like, put me in check in a lot of ways of, like, okay, what do I really care about? And mm. if, if if shit can hit the fan, art's the first thing to go, you know? So it's, like, and, and, and like, the whole, like, stay-at-home stuff and, like, TikTok and Zoom and everything, like, it's really put my artistic mm. – Development into check, and or or it's made me grow. It, it depends on how you look at it, but I mean there is still this like lurking toxic feelings of like oh I'm not doing anything, so therefore I'm not worth anything as an artist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's
0: I definitely that self worth and that idea of proof. You're right, that identity of of it being a motivation like wanting to prove people wrong i think a lot of artists are you know grow up feeling like they're the other right like yeah. they're on the outside and so like there is this like there can be sometimes this like spiteful nature to to art of like see i made it i'm doing better than you um yeah. I, I can think of a time when um i Uh, had graduated college and moved to Chicago. Um, And it was my, my high school does a five-year high school reunion. Um, And so I I honestly wasn't planning on going um, at first. Um, But eventually I, I decided to go. And at that time I was, I was in two productions. I was in two plays in Chicago um, and getting paid for both of them, so I was a, pay, a paid actor in in Chicago, which I mean, for anyone that lives in Chicago knows that that's not really that big of a deal. You know, there's lots of theaters I that will that like, pay you. It's cool though.
1: I you know, get paid.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's cool to get paid, but like they were a lot still, of
1: people not getting paid.
0: Exactly, there were, but they were small theaters. You know, they were. You know, it wasn't like I was like on like any kind of like, uh, Actors Equity stage or anything like that. It was there were small both small theater companies, but still cool. So I, I went back from my high school reunion and it, it felt so weird because I almost became not like the center of attention in a way, but like I became a topic of conversation with, for people in yeah. because most of them had stayed around that same area, you know, were living in my hometown or like really close by. They were also were hanging out with each other. So they all kind of felt like they still were in high school a little bit. like this is the yeah. way they behave with each other. Uh, and I was one of the only people that I had like gone away um, and like it was very interesting because like these people that didn't seem very interested in me when I was living there when I was their friend right
1: Yeah.
0: all of a sudden wanted to talk to me and see what I was doing and were fascinated by the things that were going on with me and asking me all kinds of questions and stuff like that and like I'm not going to lie like definitely served my ego a little bit like I felt good yeah. like there's a cool. moment in this movie where where there's two moments in this movie so like uh, the way lugo talks about john Messi, who is like the owner of the gym he's like john was rolling in a dough but he knew my value so there's this idea of like john they could have easily like stole from john but yeah. it's because that john shows him that he understands his value john's good and then there's the whole uh, kershaw el dad Stuff with the Rock and Tony yeah. Shalhoub, which I love. I think that's one of my favorite parts of this movie. He's the
1: best part of the film. Yeah, is Tony Shalhoub like <laughs> Pepe Pepe? It's Eldad. Are you okay? I'm yeah. okay, Eldad. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen Mon- I've never seen that guy in anything except for Monk. And so really? really, Tony is a
0: fantastic actor.
1: So it was really cool to see him do something mm-hmm. else and and well. And, and no, he's a fantastic actor. He and Rebel Wilson are the best things in the film. <laughs> I love what the rocks gives, but uh, so like the
0: the way that Kershaw, even in his kidnap state treats uh, Paul Doyle, uh, Johnson's character, creates this like weird friendship and like support for each other because because yeah. all three of these characters, as far as Lugo, Dorball, and Doyle, all have self-worth problems. They all are feel like they're they' they have to bust their asses so hard and aren't getting anything in return. Like, yeah. Doorball, particularly, he, he's working so hard in the gym and he's not getting the gains that he thinks he should be getting. He's, he's shooting up steroids. He's working out. He's eating. Yeah. Right. And yet he's, he's not getting anywhere. Honestly, it's, t- it's
1: taking away from him with his ED problems. What's strange about his character is I feel like it's I don't, I, it, it's the least fitting thing in the film. Like, his mm-hmm. character is so awkward. Mm-hmm. In a weird way, he doesn't feel like he should be there, but mm-hmm. maybe he's also the most accurate. Like, no, he's not actually. He's the opposite. No, no, I mean like accurate representation of like oh, like a real person of, of like a real person. Ah, got you know you. what I mean? Like, I, I, I think I mean that actor is the uh, Falcon, right? What's what's mm-hmm. his name? Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Yeah, like he's not overly hyper masculine. No, you know. And, I mean, so that's good casting for what he's doing, but it felt awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, it well, was it's because,
0: like-, like, even when you look at, like, him in comparison to, like, Mark Wahlberg, like, how ripped, like, Mark Wahlberg was, and then how big The Rock is, uh, even even his bu- the way his body, like, bulks up looks different. It's, like, it's yeah. like, not his tone. It's, like, a little bit smoother. Like, his arms were big, but they were, like, you couldn't, like, see quite that definition that you could with the other two. So it just seemed like he was just larger but it didn't seem like he was like super duper ripped. He only had like three weeks to get, to get in shape for this movie, apparently.
1: Well, I mean, I think, I think he's playing the part correctly, Mm -hmm. but it's so jarring with so much hyper masculinity in the film. It stands out so much. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like, be cool, bro. Like you're not being cool. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like, it, it really does screw up the cohesion of the film Mm -hmm. because like his his chemistry is off mm-hmm. and I mean I think that's intentional in some ways mm-hmm. and it's like a better it's honestly a better representation of hypermasculinity. Mm-hmm. like the truth is is yeah you're it's not necessarily going to work that way mm-hmm. you know for everybody and but it, it, it's it's jarring within the cohesion of the movie I think
0: mm-hmm. there's something I want to touch on that we haven't quite touched on yet but I think is a huge part of this movie and is. This movie definitely has a uh, a classism theme going on in it. Yeah. Um, in that we definitely are seeing an upper class versus lower class battle. You know, like a literal brawl in this film. Yeah. Where the bodybuilders are working – physically working harder to get less. And then we see like these upper class people like, like Kershaw, like Dubois, like Griga who are uh, – who have succeeded – And they are physically less fit. There is an idea of fitness in this film. Fitness, fitness, fitness. Fitness, of course, being like physically fit for sure. But like at the same time, fitness also is like the quality uh, to be suitable or to fulfill a particular role or like an organism's ability to survive and reproduce in a particular environment. Right. Survive and reproduce. Fitness. It's about fitness. I believe in fitness. Lugo says these guys are perceived as not being fit. Yeah. Yeah. So the lower class is trying to claw their way up. And there is so much like predatory stuff. Like, so one thing that really hits me viscerally and makes me upset is the Johnny Woo scene with uh, Kin mm-hmm. Jong. Because yeah. like these like self-help guru type things yeah. are so upsetting. And it's real because they prey
1: on the susceptibility was, of the lower class. Was Khalil in this movie? We have a friend. We have a friend.
0: Oh, there's that scene. Yeah, we. Just, ah. I was like, "Is that?" Cl-? We have. We,
1: you gotta like ask him. This, yeah, I'll have to ask him. Khalil's a young, young man we know from Chicago who has a very distinct personality, and there's an extra in this movie in that that woo scene. I was like, "Is that?" It looks so much like him, mm-hmm. but that's neither here nor there. But uh, no, you're right. Uh, the the those those like self
0: help type people like um like the t- the tony robbins of the world they they make their living off of like peddling this these like bullcrap promises of prosperity to the lower class about how they can get richer and uh, how they can become successful but really they're just getting richer off of them they are preying on them things like things like amway mary Kay, and other uh multi-level marketing
1: uh platforms and stuff like that it well it's I mean, it's the basis of capitalism in the United States, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, if everybody is pursuing the American dream, then no, not, not, most people aren't going to make it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, you know, initially when this place, when the U S was like, you know, just starting out, there was nothing but possibility to do things. But now it's like so far along and there's so many more people Mm Mm-hmm. Like, success doesn't look like it used to, you know? No, and, and these, I mean,
0: it's still happening today. These self-help people and and oh, yeah, celebrities and, like, and they all use the same tactics. They, they oversimplify uh, issues. They use catchy wordplay. Are you a doer or are you a donter, right? Like, they create an other uh, and they categorize people. Either you're this or you're that. And they use like recycled dogma, like the idea, like um, that Johnny Wu uses fear, right? Uh, this yeah. acronym that AA uses. They recycle these this dogma, and they have promises and guarantees of success, all just to make money off of
1: these people who are desperate to survive. Dude, there's nothing worse than an Instagram reel of a girl in Lululemon showing you like.
0: If you believe um, it, you can yeah, be yeah, it.
1: Yeah, or like, and it even annoys me when it's like, this is what I look like without makeup, and this is what I look like with makeup. You know, and it's just like it's jumping on this train. It's it's like fueling itself. I'm so tired of it. I'm I'm like so exhausted. Like the the where we are at with capitalism and art especially via the internet like this podcast is like just like another example of it truthfully is like everybody's gotta be recording everything because then you might make money doing what you want to mm-hmm. do and i, I just want to do what i want to do at this mm-hmm. point I-, I don't i don't even care like i mean i i want to have money mm. but like it it i'm i am I am willfully trying to kill my desire to be famous like mm-hmm. it, I still have it I deeply want to succeed, but like I know that that's probably not real, mm-hmm. so I'm willingly trying doesn't mean I want to stop doing art, but right. this 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 superstructure. Of success that our culture, our country has, like, ha- has, you know, spouted this dogma for 200 years. And yeah, yeah, you can, you can probably get, you know, 50,000 followers on Instagram if you show, you know, like if I, if I started wearing, working out in the gym and like putting on, you know, man thongs. Hey, you got to embrace
0: your male model side, buddy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, but that's what's sad. Like that's, that's what's sad is like, I, like I started telling people as a joke that I was a male model and they started taking me seriously, like more seriously than if I tell them I'm a comedian Mm -hmm. and you know why that is, is because they think, here's really what it is. They think that, I think that I'm attractive enough to be a male model Mm. so they can buy my ego. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I have to sell is my ego. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: like, I don't want to sell that. Like Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to sell my ego, but I, I'm okay with leaning into the joke of it. Mm -hmm. So like I started saying that on stage recently, Mm. um, we, we gotta, we gotta go back slightly. Uh, to your talk about the class stuff, mm-hmm. I think the move. So, so this movie is trying to do something another movie has done successfully, mm-hmm. and I think it's because it's not. I think this is not set in the right class. Mm-hmm. Like it's set from the perspective of middle class, right? It, and, it's and hard so to
0: say. I would say yes, maybe like lower middle class. Like they they have like a, a house, they have a car, but they're yeah. like they seem like they're financially struggling.
1: Yes. But what I mean, what, what I'm saying is, is the the movie that this works in is The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And it has the same feel of hyper masculinity. But we're okay with watching that failure more. Like that failure seems m- way more justified. Because the truth is, the truth is, masculinity has nothing, like in our culture, has nothing to do with fitness. Mm hmm. Like, it ha- like, it, if you're in the middle class, it does, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but, like, you put Johnny Bravo up against, oh boy, Bill Gates. <laughs> Bill Gates is gonna get the girl. Mm-hmm. And, like, so it's never ending. Mm-hmm. This, this toxic masculine st- structure, like. Yeah. Well,
0: like you kind of hit the nail on the head there and kind of circling back to this idea of like what do we do to make ourselves fit, right? Like if you're – you use what you're given. Like Bill Gates is a genius. Yeah? He yeah. uses his intelligence to, to ascend and be more fit. Uh, But if you don't have that, what do you do? You make yourself more physically strong, right? Yeah. If you don't have the money, you don't have the wallet, you don't have the intelligence, you don't have the skill, you make yourself physically fit. You 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 know like
1: that's what think, like some people maybe, can do. I think maybe Jeff Bezos is a better example. Jeff Bezos. A, I mean, Bill Gates could probably like still. Oh, get he it, could. But, oh, for sure. But but Jeff Bezos is like a perfect example of, uh, of like somebody who was nerdy, dweeby, loser looking,
0: mm-hmm.
1: getting very very rich. And then he could afford to look not dweeby loser. Mm-hmm. And so he's like fully leaned into that like toxic masculine yeah. identity. Yeah. Um, yeah, this film,
0: it, it, I, I agree with you to an extent that I think that maybe like The Wolf of Wall Street does work a little bit better. I think it's, it's set, it's not only, I wouldn't say because it's set in a different class, but it's because it's set in a different environment where I think the business world i think people are way more like people hate business people yeah. people don't like business people and they already know they're sharky and that they're that there's so much toxicity in the business world like people are willing to buy into that when it comes to like the fitness world it's w- way different i think the fitness world is way more variable like different like we even see it in the gym we see different people who are going to this gym we see the kershaw's we see uh at one point we see the lugos and we see the the, the oils and then we see like people like there were a couple of a uh, little bit larger women who were just kind of on the elliptical you know they're yeah the world of fitness and as far as like being fit and working out and exercise is so much wider so i think it's harder to nail down exactly what that thing is even though there is a sect that we do of course very well know of like these like bodybuilding bros that yeah. Uh, but it, but it is much more like wide open in that set. But something that I think is is so interesting here is um, this like there's there's a song that comes up twice in this movie. And that, you, do you know what song I'm talking about? Uh, no. So it's the song "Gangsters Paradise" but Okay, I heard it at Julio. the end, I didn't hear. Yeah, it. yeah. so I mean, it comes in when they're buying the guns and stuff like that. When they're getting ready to like do this kidnapping. Uh, and it comes in at the end. Gangster's Paradise was written for uh, a film, Dangerous Minds, and it's about a lower class, right? It's yeah. about uh, uh, the impoverished ghetto and how they live their lives and how basically the world is is keeping them down. You know, the world that they exist in is, will I, li- you know, will I live to see twenty four? You know, yeah. Why are we so blind to see that the ones we heard are you, you and me? It's all about like this self cannibalization of this. Of this culture, of this you know microcosm, this community, and I think, I think the movie's trying to pair and show that this is this culture of these guys who are these trainers, it's the same thing. They are struggling, and so they are just fight you know fighting their and clawing their way to survival. We're, our entire middle class is that exactly, exactly. This film was made like I said ten years ago, so a little yeah. bit. Where we at is a little bit different because the middle class is getting further and further away from the upper class, as far as like the the, the gap is getting extended. Um, and you talked a little bit about ego, you know, with your modeling thing. And the interesting thing for me, – oh, sorry, Annabelle, it's okay, um, is the moment when Lugo kills Griga, right? It's Griga and him are trying to form a deal, and Griga honestly likes it, likes Danny. Likes Lugo. Yeah. He's like, I yeah. like you. I just don't think you have the the intelligence and skill to actually pull any of this shit off. So I need to know who's backing you. And like this, like challenge to Lugo's ego is what snaps him. Yeah. You know, I'm, you tell him, you keep, keep telling me that I don't have the skills, that I don't have this, you're, you're challenging me. Uh, and then he accidentally kills Ego because, uh, sorry, kills Griga because it shatters his ego, you know, yes. which is crazy. I, I think
1: that's where I would like with like the language of this conversation to start heading mm-hmm. because like really, yes, ego has been shown through masculinity a lot, you know, like that. To- a lot is- of
0: toxic masculinity comes from a fragile ego.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, but I would say that you could just say it's a toxic ego. You don't mm-hmm. even need to say it's men or women. It's mm-hmm. like, there are women with toxic egos, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, I think that's where it starts to get unfair. Like men, yes, are the, are the most guilty of it, mm-hmm. but it's like, so, but what happens is, is men aren't allowed to communicate. Mm-hmm. Men are silenced in, in their opinions about this. Emotionally. Yeah. Emotionally. And, and like, I think that's where I'm, I am fr- most frustrated is mm-hmm. because like the only way that this is going to change is if men are allowed to talk about it mm-hmm. because otherwise it's just going to get worse.
0: Well, I, I think we're starting to, so, you know, with a lot of movements and things like that, there's the way things are, then there's a huge backlash and then there's a yeah. pulling back. Right. Yeah. Like,
1: like, I'm not here going men's rights. Like that's right. not what I'm like. I'm not well, no, trying to no, an no I, Absolutely.
0: And I, I think I'm, I know I'm seeing more on social media like men Men need physical affection. Men need emotional affection. Men need to be, you know, emotionally c- coddled and cradled too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the reason why a lot of men have these toxic masculinity problems is because they're told that that's not okay. Like we we do, a lot of men don't have a way to express these emotions that they say aren't manly, right? Aren't masculine. And so it become it when you put those things away,
1: you have to heighten something else in its place. Yeah. And and reflexively, sometimes the truth is painful. Mm -hmm. And I think our culture is avoiding hurting anybody's feelings at this point. Mm -hmm. Like we've switched we've we've swung so far to the point of not tell not saying speaking the truth about stuff because Mm -hmm. we are afraid of we are afraid of you know being too harsh with uh how we feel mm. or uh the facts and yeah there's a right way to say something i'm i'm not in disagreements there and there's a toxically masculine way to th- say things but there's also like the truth mm. a lot of the times and and i and i think that's like <laughs> the culture we're living in right now is is stifling truth In a Mm -hmm. lot of ways and so like like i'm a comedian you know Mm -hmm. so like for me it's very important that i'm allowed to speak my mind you know Mm -hmm. and so like a a truth that we don't want to hear is that is that you know that success matters Mm -hmm. right like yes you can get the girl if you become successful Nobody mm-hmm. wants. Nobody wants to believe that that's the only thing that that it's, it's not the only thing, but it's a big deal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and like those things are hard to say and hard to swallow, but they're true. Mm-hmm. And well, so
0: you make a go- here is the thing: people people don't like to confront their their own shortcomings. We all like to think of ourselves as being morally upstanding people with dignity, right? Yes. I, I had a conversation in college once with a friend of mine. Uh, we were talking about that classic porn setup of a delivery guy coming to a house. A, a group of girls open the door and they're all like, you know, in their bras and panties and like being like super flirty. And they invite the the delivery guy in, right? Yeah. Like, like I had a friend of mine in college who was like, I would totally go like if that were me. I would if that happened in real life. I would totally go in there. I was like, I don't think you would. That's a red flag to me. Like I don't. I wouldn't trust that even for a second. <laughs> would
1: you? I mean, it doesn't feel like it could happen. But right, but if it did, it's definitely tempting.
0: Yeah, you know? like it's well, definitely tempting. If it's just a bunch of random girls invited a pizza a pizza guy in to like have their his way with all of them, like like.
1: It's not gonna happen in real life, right? But it is definitely a tempting
0: mm-hmm. offer.
1: He's like, I right? totally
0: go in there and do it. I was like, man, I don't know if you would. Like, honestly, like, That's I know I don't think I in. would. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I would. Like, if you're working as a pizza
1: guy, you're obviously not in a great financial position. Like, you, I would you, go into the party. <laughs> I would definitely go into the party. Would you? Am I gonna have my way with all the women? Probably not. But what I'm saying is I would go in. <laughs> well, let me just see what's going on in here. Like, oh, what? yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, do you want some pizza? I have some. <laughs> like,
0: um, It's just it was interesting to me that he he very much was like, no, I would t- absolutely would.
1: I would go in there and I would do it. And I was like, all right, man. <laughs> like, sure. I'm sure you would. I think I think this I think this is raising a philosophical question is like, how far into the party would you go? hmm. You know? And I don't know, like, I, I, your friend, I think is fooling himself to think that he can please these 15 frat or sorority girls, you know, but like, that's, that's a programmed indoctrination of what you're Mm -hmm. supposed to do as a man, right?
0: Right. But well, yeah, I kind of want to just circle back to make my point here is like, we, we all would like to think that we are. Morally upstanding, that we would do the right thing in any given situation, that we would save somebody, you know, rescue somebody, put ourselves – like someone was getting mugged in an alley. Or, you know, we all would like to think we, we are the hero, right? Yeah. Of course. But you're right. There is that reality of like – but in the actual situation, are you? Yeah. Would you? For real. Would you turn down money for artistic integrity? You know, a lot of, for us artists, it's like, no, like people are sellouts and things like the the idea of being a sellout is, is like a, a thing in our, in our circles. Yeah. Right. It's like, you're telling me if someone offered you millions and millions of dollars to make something that maybe is artistically not really what you want to do, but they're like, here's all this money. You telling me you wouldn't even consider doing it. I mean, some people, some people wouldn't. Some people really wouldn't like there's been, there's been instances where artists had like, I know like Macklemore was, is a, it was a rapper who got this big like record deal and turned it down in order to produce independently. You know, like I'm not saying that there aren't those people, but most people aren't those people. Right. And facing that, that reality of yourself, breaking your own ego in that way is confronting it is hard. It's hard to confront your ego in that way.
1: And it's weird because it's, like, that absolutism, right, Mm -hmm. is what is the extreme on the masculine side in this film or, like, the ego side in this film. Mm -hmm. But, like, we are entering a culture that's still absolutist. Mm -hmm. It's just on the other end of the spectrum. It just depends on where you are. But like, okay, we were talking about this earlier about, you know, the stigmas of being a, a male nanny,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? I just had a recent thing happen with, 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 with me that I've been thinking a lot about. And, and it's like, it's, I, I feel your pain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so I'm an uncle now, right? Congratulations. And thank you, thank you. And I jokingly grew a mustache because I'm an uncle. Creepy uncle. Well, I didn't want it. well, okay. There we go. You've already done it. You've already done it. Well, that's the, just, associ-
0: that's the association.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I get so, it. I'm not saying that I think that's true. I'm saying that's like the, the stigma. Yes. So this is what happened. We were doing a nice thing, Sarah and I, my partner. We were doing a nice thing, cooking steaks for my brother-in-law. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and my sister to help them with the baby, you know? Mm-hmm. And there were, um, there while we were over there, there was talk that the baby started kind of like getting warm, right? So they were going to have to like take the temperature mm-hmm. of the child. Mm-hmm. And at that age, there's only one way yes. to do it. Yes. So. For those of you who don't um, know, it's rectally. It's rectally. So. Again, I don't want to trigger anyone with what I'm saying, but these are facts, okay? My brother-in-law was uncomfortable by this. They were both – Olivia was just scared of doing it wrong, you know? And my brother-in-law made a joke about about this, okay? And I kind of like just like like nodded a little bit, and I was like – I said – Yes, yes, I thought of those jokes too, <laughs> but I did not think it would be appropriate for me to say them. You know, I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. Immediately there's like a turn on a dime with my brother-in-law's like, like voice, and he's like, "Yeah, you can't say those jokes. You can't make those jokes." Because you're the uncle and the uncle is the most likely person to molest the child. And I was like, I was taken aback. I mean, first of all, who's number two, buddy, if you really want to think about it, like <laughs> number two is the dad, but like, I mean, it was very intense. Right now. The reason I, I, I bring this whole thing up is like, this is an example of like this absolute, like we're so afraid of talking about stuff that we're so afraid of talking about stuff that that there's so much fear that he could not hold that in you know what i mean like he was like he knows me he knows i'm not like that you know but he's so scared for his child that he had to like take it out on me in that way and he's scared that he said the joke so okay so a little bit more here so we're continuing through the night and he makes more jokes and i'm like Dude, if you're if like you can't say I can't make the jokes if you're gonna make the jokes, you know. And so and and this is where I'm like, as a bit, I'm working on this a little bit. But like, we Sarah and I went outside and we're like walking their dog for them. We're being nice to them, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, as an uncle, you like I I like I think I like being an uncle. Sarah's like, why is that? I was like, it's not a lot of responsibility. (laughs) You know, I really only have one job and that's don't molest the baby. That's my only job. And like, so, okay, but I'm sorry, this is a long story, but to macro out on that story, I told this story on stage and it's like, you can't say like right now, it makes people uncomfortable if you say don't molest the baby or don't rape the baby it makes people uncomfortable but you should be able to say yeah yeah right like i should be able to say everybody, don't wait yeah
0: that's don't, everybody should
1: hear don't do that you know but yeah. like it's this extreme fear it's this extreme fear that's been opposed on us right now it, it's it's just on the other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. you know and so like right now and like we just a guy just got smacked on stage mhm you know i mean i also think that is toxic yes it is for sure so it's like this has been a, a long drawn out rant for me today is as normal but like i'm really passionate about this subject right now it's because like like what well, how do as as a man how am i ever going to be able to like figure myself out if I'm not allowed to like express myself and and so this movie really highlighted like like uh, I am trying to overcome these these things and I think as a society we're trying to overcome these things but like we're also not giving ourselves permission to like really delve into it
0: yeah. yeah. It's definitely a sensitive subject when it comes to you know, you know we talked about when it comes to fathers and their daughters. Yeah. Fathers and their daughters. That's like in a lot of my cases with coming up against similar things, that's it is almost always dads with their their daughters. Yeah. And and it it is there's not much you can do about it other than be sensitive towards what their feelings are and understanding where those things are coming from. The fact that he was uncomfortable and so he was trying to relieve his own tension yeah. with jokes and, but also underneath that tension is, is a anger a and real fear, fear, a real fear that he expresses his anger.
1: But it's, it's his own repression. It's mm-hmm. their own repression that forces it upon other people. Mm-hmm. Like I had no thoughts of those things at all. Mm hmm. You know, like I had, and and then it's like, oh great, like now I have to think about that time you were afraid I was going to molest your baby mm-hmm. every time I see your baby. You oh, know, yeah. So like, and, it's like uh, also there is a
0: there is a, I don't know if if your brother in law has done his research, exactly. Yeah. Um, but that is, but you're right. That is a a stereotype and a stigma that is there. That he is using to loosely apply his fears to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, you're right. There is a, a, f- a fragility to to men. In this yes. I think this film really highlights that. To circle back to the movie, this film yes. highlights that these men are fragile. Yes. They. It. it, it, it all it takes is
1: somebody we telling them. We're not you, permitted emotions. We're yeah. only permitted aggression and anger. Yeah. And and until you let us have. Other ones, we're not going to be comfortable doing it. And it's like, as a comedian right now, I'm trying to like express the gamut of my emotions, and it's not being received well. It's not. Well, you know what's funny is is
0: so there's something that uh, at the end of this movie uh, that Dubois' wife says while they're like sitting outside their really nice house in Miami that leads right onto the waterfront. They're like staring over the water, and and she says. He mentioned something about this being like a, a senseless loss, right? It seems yeah. like a waste. And she says this, and it kind of upsets me a little bit, and it seems like it really nailed, puts the nail in the coffin of this movie a little bit, and especially what we're talking about.
1: They wouldn't know happiness unless they saw it on the... So, some people just don't know a
0: good thing when it's staring them in the face. I'm yeah. implying that these guys had a good thing, and they ruined it. I don't think
1: that's what she's saying. What, did you, uh, what do you think she's saying? Um... I think that they their lives as it as they were before they mm. committed these crimes were mm-hmm. like were good. But that's
0: what you think she said. That's no that's what I'm saying. She's saying that she's implying that she thinks their lives were
1: were good. If they if what she's saying is if they just accepted that their lives were good, mm-hmm. then they could let go of this ambition and desire to do but, more. But I
0: guess my pushback then would be that their lives weren't good. They were over they were struggling to pay bills they were you know they were trapped in this this loop of of poverty like they weren't doing good they weren't none of them were they well, two of them two of them had rec had prison records couldn't get jobs you know if, like
1: if that right but like i'm not saying that that that's that she's from she's hard. coming from
0: from a, a more privileged place than them yeah that's true. And she's saying they don't know how good they had it. They it, it was a waste. And I think like that's this movie is this like idea like you said it's a repression of like these guys are did a bad thing be- if they just would have been fine in their lane. Okay. Everything would have been okay. I'll accept
1: that. I mean like okay, so yeah, that's where I'm that's my my crap showing up, right? Like mm-hmm. I I believe I should just accept things the way they are because I should be able to do that as a man. Right, like, Mm -hmm. and so maybe that's not true. Um, Well, I think there's
0: a there's a balance here of like,
1: yeah, uh,
0: it is. She's coming from a place of privilege. She's got her life all together. You know, we don't know what their life is like, but like she she's at least financially and and class wise, she's coming from a place of privilege, where she's like, they they just couldn't accept that where they are at and life is fine. It's like that they're living bills to bills. They're they're they have prison records and can't get jobs. Like. You know, one guy, one, he's like uh, the Rock uh, has a line where he's like, "It's it's really upsetting that he's like I'm not even good enough to make fries at McDonald's because I have a record." Yeah, right. And, and That's true. There's yeah. a struggle in the lower class, and people think that people should just work harder, should just you know, should just be happy with what they have. Like that's.
1: I think that's I think that's the why this kind of this like I said doesn't this movie doesn't work mm-hmm. is because like. We want them to be better, Mm -hmm. but, like, in a good way, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. We
0: want them to work harder, just work harder at something else. Yeah. Like, in a different way. Work harder on being being better, you know?
1: And it's (sighs) – we're okay to watch the rich man fall, you know? That's why Mm -hmm. Wolf of Wall Street works is the guy makes it to the top and then – we know money corrupts but right. this this, is like... this
0: film leaves you in a weird place so like 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 i mentioned to just time kind of all tie it back in together i mentioned in the intro that this film got a lot of controversy from especially some, some survivors of the situation for making the characters sympathetic cuz honestly like sure they do some heinous stuff but if i'm going to be honest i do feel bad for like they do, this movie does a good job in the beginning of setting up daniel lugo as somebody that we can relate to somebody who's struggling. Yeah. He's, he's working hard. He, you know, he's kind of a douche, but like he, he works hard. He's trying to, to make something of himself. He, he's, he's does have skill. He does have people skills. Like, and we see that moment where he like tries to ask out the girl and she like rejects him and he's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Like my bad. Like whatever, like yeah. It, this movie does a good job of making him somebody that you can like see yourself in. In that you're somebody that, who has to bust their ass and work hard, and you also don't feel like you're getting enough out of life and you're struggling. So this movie does elicit, uh, specifically yeah. for 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 I would say Daniel and Paul Doyle, maybe not as much for Adrian, just because his situation is so specific. But like for those guys, they have it rough, and you do feel bad for them, like. And you wish they didn't take the path they took. But you do want them to succeed, just not in the way they, they're choosing to go
1: about it. And that's the hard hardest part about this conversation. And I think the title sums it up really well is Pain and Gain, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in order to grow, you have to struggle,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And it's like, how, like, but there is such a thing as struggling too much. Mm-hmm and there is such a thing as not struggling enough you know and so it's like this balance of you you got to go for it mm-hmm. but you can't it can't be the the only like you, you can't sacrifice yourself to it you mm-hmm. know or sacrifice other people to it you Right. Know?
0: these guys were willing to do anything yeah to to get to where they to ascend and that's what their problem was is that they they compromised Truthfully, who, you know, again, this is not talking about the real guys. We don't really know exactly what's going on with them. But we're talking about these characters. These characters, on their face, aren't bad people. You know what I mean? These characters, not the real people. I have no idea about the real people. These characters are on their face presented as not inherently bad people. But they compromise the good parts in themselves all in pursuit of, of one thing in one way. And that's, it's a tragedy. It is, this is a tragedy. It's a tragic yeah. film. It's tragedy all around. It's a, co- it's like, a tr- it's kind of a comedy because it's it's ca- the way it's presented, but it is absolutely structurally a tragedy.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and it is hard at the end of the movie to reconcile the fact that like these guys did awful, awful things. But, and yet, you know, you did want them to succeed. Just, they just wish they would have chosen a different path, you know? Yeah. And that's what kind of leaves me with is like this idea of like the fragility of my own ego. You know what motivates me and the paths that I choose to take to success, you know, hopefully we're picking the right ones, you know yeah, that yeah. that don't that we don't lose ourselves in. Um, and I just wanted to end the conversation with that final little monologue from from Daniel Lugo that we get, uh, which is all I ever wanted out of life is what everyone else had, not more, just not the less I was used to. Well, I took a real swing for it, you know? And for a while, it was like I always thought it would be. I was one of you. And it felt good. People finally saw me like I saw myself. And you can't ask for more than that. Maybe I did, though. Maybe it got so I didn't want to be equal anymore. I wanted to be better than. And that's a recipe for injury. That doesn't mean you give up, though. You rest, you heal, you get back on that bench. Life is going to give me another set, and I'm going to rock it. Because my name is Daniel Lugo, and I believe in fitness.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the first part of that monologue, especially, is very mm-hmm. true.
0: But know? I think what's so interesting is the flip at the end, is that he still is delusional. Yeah, you know, he still is believes this idea: work hard, bounce back, you you can succeed. It's like, dude, it's that's just not. He's holding on. He's definitely holding on to that illusion.
1: To give us a little bit of hope slight hope uh yesterday i went to the gas station mm-hmm. and there was this kid there he's probably 22 23 and <laughs> he's the only one working there and he he's standing behind the counter and i go up to like check out and he goes man my dad was a marine and he told me pain wasn't real boy was he wrong <laughs> Oh, hey, no. Israel, I don't know how, I don't know what kind of doctrine they're spitting in that, the academy. And I was like, wow, that's where we're at. All right. It a, we live in a disillusionment era. That's for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I like this movie. I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a perfect movie, but I always enjoy, I think this is one of the most interesting conversations we've had around a movie, honestly.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I'm very specifically right now, if you're a, a comic, I mean, you're, you're in the trenches with this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and so I have a lot of opinions about it and I very rarely have an hour to talk about it. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, you're welcome. Uh,
1: Thank
0: you. Speaking of which, I think it's going to wrap up our conversation of pain and gain. Uh, uh, I really enjoyed talking about it. Maybe we'll find something similar uh, to this and we might be able to circle back to some of these themes, but cause I really in- enjoy talking a lot about this stuff. If uh, any of you all want to get uh, involved with the conversation at home, please like, Comment, write in, let us know what you guys are thinking. We would love to get involved with you. What you all think of pain and gain? Um, but it's time to talk about what's
1: happening next. So, Seth, what's happening next? Well, um, we're gonna have a guest next yes. week, and it is my lovely partner Sarah, who is one of the most, one of not the most amazing person I know. Um, wow! And, and yeah, yeah. You know, you're in the top five, Rick. Top <laughs> five? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love her very much, and she'll be here next week. And uh, she wanted, she requested that we do everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, sweet. I've been meaning cool. to go see that movie. Yeah, me too. So uh, she wants to watch it and talk about it, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah,
0: we we watched so a couple weeks ago. We watched Swiss Army Man. Yeah, uh, because this movie was coming out, and it's the same directors. And I've heard amazing things about this movie. Um, yeah. so I'm super psyched. Okay, um, yeah. so if any of you all at home uh, are going to be watching along, uh, again, we are a couple of weeks ahead. So hopefully, this film is still in theaters while you guys are listening to the podcast. But we will be watching everything, everywhere, all at once. You can find that. At a local theater near you, maybe we'll put out a maybe we'll put out a a, a, a social media post. I think uh, it'll j- still be in theaters in a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, I still think it'll be in theaters. It,
0: maybe we'll have to see. But anyway, okay. um, if you want to watch along, that's what you can do. All right,
1: thank you so much from both of us at the uh, What's It About Fun podcast. Seth, where can people find you? Uh so I've, I've realized I've never put my Twitter on here. So you can find me at the Birdie Word on Twitter. So. <laughs> T- all one word, T H E B I R D Y W O R D. That's the birdie word. Um, I'm Seth Adam Crow on Instagram. And uh, I have a podcast myself where I venture into the void to find all things meaningful and artistic. It's called The Crowcast, The, uh, and then one word, Crowcast, C R O W E C A S T. Nice. And I am Ricardo Blade Diaz. Uh, I don't really use the
0: Twitter, so don't follow me there. (laughs) Um, But you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Ricardo Blade Diaz. That is all my full name altogether. R-I-C-A-R-D-O-B-L-A-Y-D-E-D-I-A-Z. And you can also find me on the Character Player channel, which is our D&D stream. You can find that on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Uh, Instagram at character player uh, where Seth and I both do the (laughs) (laughs) D&Ds so please find us there uh, for some great D&D content we do some good stuff on there Uh, but until next time thank you so much from both of us at the What's About Film Podcast we will see you soon adios bye